What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Love God, Love Sex podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Heath. Yo, what's good, everybody? It's Jamie. How you doing out there? Yeah, how are you? That's a really good question. How are you doing? What's up? How are you feeling? How, how was your day? How's what, how are you doing, bro? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Thinking about my wealthy place. <laughs> mm-hmm. My wealthy place. Yeah, yeah. Can Jay we, and I've been can just we, talking can we dig about into that. Yeah, Jay and I have just been talking about what does it mean to think of being rich beyond just having lots of money? What does it mean to be to think about the money, but to think about the money in conversation with your health, with your family thriving, with people around you respecting you, with having peace with your money so that you're not always worried about someone taking it or someone blaming you for stealing it from them? So, you know, what is your wealthy place? A lot of times we want things and that's fine. It's okay to want things. And whether those things are inanimate objects like a new Xbox or a new Birkin bag. And it's BMW, also BMW, G-Wagon. yeah, G-Wagon. Right. But it's also, we want in immaterial things. We want relationships. We want connection. We want respect. We want social status. And all those things are, are excellent and great to have. But what does it mean to have it with peace? You know, what does it mean to have a connection with someone who actually respects you and listens to you? as opposed to someone who just uses your body as a vessel, you know, draws down on your psychic income and leaves you destitute and lonely the moment you need them. You know, what does it mean to have a G-Wagon, but you can't afford the payments or you can't park it somewhere where you feel it's safe? You know, sometimes, you know, people will buy high-priced items and then they don't want anyone to touch it. They don't want anyone to breathe in the same space of it. I remember I bought well, the first time I saved for a bunch of uh, a pair of Jordan number 11s, which to me is one of the greatest Jordans of all time, the patent leather. Mm-hmm. I still want the Carolina blue. And, yo, I didn't, I only wore them three or four times, right? Because, I, you know, they were, you know, I, 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 I got them. I, I worked hard for them. I stashed money. In fact, I didn't get them when they first came out in 95. I got them in the, the December of 2000 when they got they got re-released because that's when they started re-releasing Jordans around Doing that time. Throwback shit, yeah. yeah, that's when they started. So that's when I got it. And, yo, I must have worn them maybe three or four times between 2000 and 2005. I would just keep them up in my closet, take them out once in a while, you know, make sure they stay clean, just always. You know, I, I didn't really enjoy them. Now I see kids just wearing patent leather Jordans to the pool. Like, I don't know. Right to the park. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're balling in their Exactly. Strike. Yeah, yeah. They're doing all kinds of things. I'm like, if I had another pair of those, I would not be doing engaging some of those activities. But the point is, at least those people are enjoying their, their Jordans. They're enjoying their patent leathers. Most people get something and then they can't enjoy it. You know, some guys mm-hmm. will get that quote unquote bad woman that they've always wanted, but they're always worried about someone looking at her behind or trying to talk to her. They have no peace. And it it does happen, but, you know, just to be able to move with her and around with her and and know that you got that on your arm and and like you said, it not cause you any stress or worry or apprehension, like, that's what everybody wants. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you want peace with with what you have. You know, when you think of these Faustian deals or these deals with the devil that you've typically seen, you know, like Tales from the Crypt from these HBO shows or, you know, maybe you've read short stories growing up. You know, there are people who would make these deals with the devil, but wouldn't consider the surrounding context or of which they made their deal. Like, oh, I just want a whole bunch of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shadow man. Yeah, Shadow man. Said, no, how am I going to pay back my debt? Yeah, your man was. How am I going to pay back my debt? Friends. Are you ready? 
Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, and, and that, that deals with, I mean, we always make deals like that, and it may not necessarily lead to a literal hell, but it le- le- leads to a hell of life, right? A hell mm-hmm. on earth where, you know, you sacrifice you know, your footing for a kill shot, and you know, Chris Nolan Batman, Raja Ghul, he was skating, fighting Raja Ghul, he goes and finally gets this kill shot on Raja Ghul, has a sword to his neck, and he goes, I got you. He goes, no, you're not. You sacrificed your right. friend for a kill shot. He taps the ice, and Bruce Wayne falls through the ice. And so many of us, we think we're going to have this kill shot in life, but what ends up happening is we are sacrificing good footing to get it. You know, uh, you And know, it could really it. be the good shot, but it's at the wrong time. And like yeah. we talked about before, the right thing at the wrong time is still the still, wrong thing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you may go out somewhere, see a really pretty woman. This is just for the guy talk right now. And your man sees her and you snake your man, go talk to her because you got to have the bad broad. You got to have the bad woman. And that's fine. You got it. But would you, you snaked your man to get it. So where's that going right. to leave you? What precedent mm-hmm. precedent are you setting? You know, I, I just, these are just things for people to, to, to think about. It's always things for me to think about you know, what, what matters to you and what, you know, what do you value? You can still have what you want, but if you would have just waited after your man shot his shot and got shot down, and you would have said, "All right, all fair is love and war. Let mm-hmm. me go do my thing." Right. She made it clear she wasn't into you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let me just move on. But a lot of us don't do that. A lot of us feel that we have to have what we have when we have it. And you said something earlier this week, in one of our offline conversations, that you're very cognizant that everything that you want doesn't mean that you should have it. Not everything that you want means that it's good for you. You know, a lot of us want to eat chocolate ice cream Sundays every single night for the next 50 years. And I'll tell you right now, that, most that is not good for you. you. You know, you're eating Doritos and reaching for the donuts and, you know, you just want that sugary, you know, spike all the time. And that's not good for you. But it, that goes for a lot of things in life, you know, especially around like sex and uh, some of the uh, around sex and relationships. Or even ambitious stuff like jobs. Um, like I think sometimes yeah. people like the affirmation of getting upped at the company, yeah. but they're not thinking about like, yo, I'm already working 80, hundred hours a week. Now yeah. I'm really not going to be able to see my family. Yeah. Now, I'm yeah. really going to miss all of these T-ball games. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, all mm-hmm. of these gymnastic meets. Yeah. So I was just talking to a guy who said that he's like, yo, where he works in the company he works is a really famous company that shall go nameless. The, not Lord Voldemort of companies. It's just I'm not gonna shout out what he said, but he's like, "Yo, I got guys I know making working eighty hundred hours a week, and they got families, but they're still always gonna work. They're always gonna show up, you know, open up their laptop and just work and just grind away on the weekends. And that's great, but what does that mean for your family? You know, I once saw a guy I follow on LinkedIn. His name is uh, Dan Dan Levy, but he had talked about people who want to aspire to go into the C-suite. They go into the C-suite. One of the things he said is like, why don't you look at the calendar, right, of the person you want to go into? So the CMO, the CFO, the CEO, what does the calendar look like? And in all honesty, if you are very honest, it's meetings 12 for 12 hours a day on top of the additional work and management that they probably have to do over their subordinates or their supervisees you know, deliverables they have to manage and turn around. Cause at that level, you're not doing deliverables. You got other people doing it for you, but you got to manage it and, you know, put insight. You may have to mark some things up. If you're a chief design officer, chief content officer, you got to make sure if you're putting together, 
you know, a certain type of content play or product that everything is tight and, you know, negotiate. It's a lot of work, man. And, mm-hmm. and that company, you know, for that price they pay you, they exact a lot out of you. Oh, yeah. To whom much is given. Yeah. So, <laughs> much is required. So, and and you know, it'd it be a, much zeros in your yeah. check. You know what's coming with that. But, the, but that goes back to requirement. Yeah. But that goes back to wealthy place. What does that mean for you? That's why some people argue like Scott Galloway. He's always quoted on this podcast. Maybe Scott will get Scott on here one day. But he talks about when you know your 20s, the three things you should be uh, thinking about this. Number one, your network. Two, your health slash fitness you say your fitness and health and then three uh your career because by the time you turn 40 if you put those dividends and you put that work rather into it at their 20s it'll pay off dividends in your 40s where you can start drawing out of that bank and say all right Mm -hmm. i'm going to reduce my hours to 40 hours a week because now i'm in a position to dictate as the lead skilled expert in this area or over this division what needs to happen and then now the people under me are the ones working (laughs) <laughs> you know, right. they're doing the overtime. I don't need yeah, to the do 80 that hours a week. Yeah. So it's so critical to maximize seasons and to maximize time because time is your friend if you're leveraging it right. Yeah, I was going to say if you hit 40 on autopilot, having put like systems and routines in place. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, for I, I can understand why people say 40 is the new 20 because mm-hmm. I feel like we saw a crop of people from our generation who busted their tail um, between 20 and 30. And it was like, once they got to 40, we saw how like, yo, they were living like the generations before them 50 and 60 year old. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're at the country clubs and they got the cigars and the, you know what I mean? The brandy and they're chilling, t- talking to Keith Heading told me that joke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> what movie is that from? That's like, from uh, Mo Money, Mo Prop, Mo Money. Yeah, Mo Money. Yeah, so Keith yeah. Heading but, told me that joke. <laughs> But I mean, like, yo, I, I, I've had a lot of friends that I saw, like, talking about living out their Tiger Woods dreams or being out on the golf course and mm-hmm. shooting 18 holes and then, like, wearing Rolexes. And I'm like, yo, at my age. But when I was a kid, the four, the 50s and the 60s-year-olds was doing that. You know what exactly. I'm saying? So it's like exactly. the, the kids that I saw at 20, like, really put things in high gear. Now I look at them 40 early 40s, late 30s, and it's like, yo, they on autopilot killing it. Well, the thing that's most amazing to me is that when you do a vacation now, you just can't do a vacation to a regular spot. You got to do a vacation to this big, monstrous hotel that's 21,000, 30,000, 40,000. You just can't go to Thailand and get up in a nice, decent, clean, well-decorated spot that's like a hundred two hundred dollars a night you got to do something big whereas i believe when we were coming up people in their 50s and 60s were happy to go to the 200 spot because they had saved their money they had their pensions and the purchasing power of the dollar was stronger at that point for them as well in the 80s and they could go out and have a great time now like you just said doing a vacation like that happens in your 20s and that was unheard of at that time your right. 20s your 30s and your 40s maybe your early 50s was to get to the point of 30 years at a job so you can have the pension the disposable income the investments uh some of the retire retirement accounts because those were starting to get big around that time and that's what you took to have a great lifestyle now if you say to someone oh we want to go to paris together we want to go to you know thailand together bali we want to go to okinawa it's always a big to do and people don't go cheap 
or they don't even go moderate to really make a difference. You got to go big because you got to stunt for the, for the egg, for the gram, for for the gram and for TikTok, And you got to be an influencer. And most people can't sustain that lifestyle and still have money left over to make an impact in their daily activities, such as paying bills or even in their entrepreneurial pursuits or dreams, because they're eating all their seed is getting seed time harvest where, you know, you sow seeds to get a harvest later on. A lot of people just get what they got. And they, even if they get a harvest, they eat all that because you have to be able to section it off some to replant for later so that you're always managing and riding the seasons very well. A lot of us don't do that. And I think that really impacts the dating world where you can never say to somebody at 20, 21, 22, 23, Let's get married. Let's just put our heads down for five years and let's just go crazy. I remember the great mutual fund manager, Robert Templeton, lived from 1900 to 1995, maybe 96, obviously 95, 96 years old. He talked about how him and his wife were just living in a flat in London, tithing and just living off like pennies, hand to mouth, and eventually just kept sewing into his business, sewing into his skills and just got big. And he ended up being you know, a major mutual fund mogul going well into his 90s and living a, a thriving life. Now, you could say there's a lot of other things under underpinning that because a lot of our postmodern people say he's a white male living in London who had all this access and he had education. I'm not going to deny all that. But the point I'm making is there are people, even black families I can look at, people who got married young, put their, their head down 5, 10, 15, 20 years to look up in their 40s to start seeing some of those rewards and returns. And then it started compounding. They were able to send you know children to HBCUs, help them out a little bit with college. They took advantage of free programs that were around at the time in the 80s, you know, 70s, 80s, even early 90s to help their children get ahead. And they were, you know, set up a prosperous template for their children. And yeah, that, that Cosby lifestyle. Yeah, the Cosby mm-hmm. lifestyle. And I, and I believe that a lot of young people find it hard in the dating world to do that because A, people are finicky, people are very preference driven. You know, you're not six, six, six. If you're not a woman with, with a 28, 35, 32, only if she's five, three. I don't even trust. So mix a lot. A lot. <laughs> or whatever, whatever the numbers are. If you don't meet my numbers, you don't check my boxes. I can't mess with you as opposed to what can we do together to. To, to build, build together. So, yeah. What's your dream? Mm-hmm. What's my dream? How can we now do those dreams and go beyond that? Excel beyond that together. What does it look like to, to, to do our first expense? What does it look like? Like we'll pay off your credit card bill, then we'll pay off my credit card bill, then we'll take those payments and roll Ooh. them into an SP five hundred index fund. And now with even someone was just telling me Chat GPT, Morgan Stanley put out an article that Chat GPT has been predicting the market. And beating the market in their stocks, their stock picking. So if you go to Chat GPT right now and say, uh, and you have to work on the prompt, but if the prompt is something like this, select a stock that will beat the SP S and P five hundred over two percent, two percent or over. And when they've been doing those prompts, they've been selecting stocks and has that predictive quality that have been doing well. So imagine a couple right now sits sits together and says, let's use Chat GPT to select stocks, put our overage money that we have from paying off our credit cards, and let's just start doubling down. Let's figure this mm-hmm. thing out. Let's get some real estate together. You know, I once heard Ice Cube said after being married for 25 years, now he's been married for 30, 30, 32 years. He said, you know, I love my wife and I love the fact that she's set up freedom for me and a prosperity. He's like, sex really doesn't matter to me that much, which I know what he was saying. 
a lot of men get married and they want sex and the sex stops or slows down. But for him, it wasn't, it wasn't that she supported him and gave him the freedom to do what he wants to do. Now for a brother like me, I need that sex, but <laughs> that's to each his own, but you can still find someone to build a life with, you know, the most important thing for couples to have are goals. And the most important thing is not even for them to achieve their goals. It's that the goals keep them focused yeah. on working together. Mm-hmm. And then it's like I snowball, you know, uh, going down the mountain, that avalanche will just catch your speed, that that boulder going down the hill that just catches speed. And you, it's hard to disrupt that momentum together. But I believe a lot of people have a hard time having those relationship conversations because we're so preference driven and we're driven by what our eyes see, what our, what our minds want, as opposed to what well, I would say, what eyes think, what our hearts think we want, as opposed to what our minds can negotiate for us with another person, listening to their, their needs and meeting them where they're at. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's also tough because of income disparities. Yes. Yeah, no, it's difficult. I mean, income disparities is a, a total barrier. It is a total issue. But even with that, I believe there's opportunity. It's about identifying the opportunities. And one of the opportunities I would say is getting more politically active. And whether that's at your local level, your state level, your federal level, or E or D, all the above, and advocating for fair wages, advocating for changes, advocating for you know grants, advocating for better entrepreneurial support, whatever it is, there's there could be a bevy of policies that just meet your needs and meet the needs of those in your community. That is one way. The other way is just finding the opportunities. What can you guys do together? Does that mean you move back into your in the basement of your parents' home and just sock away money? You pay them a little off, you know, so that you know you pay for groceries and lights and whatnot. But we're gonna build here. But that's not sexy. My home, yeah, my home girl, and I've like mentioned it. Brothers. Yeah, look at the tape. I mean, one of the things my home girl, and we're gonna have her on the podcast, Dr. Regina Langley, always says is when we're talking about PhDs, she said most people can't put their head down for five years to get their PhD because it's typically five years if you get out at the right time. Some people go six, seven, but typically they give you five year funding at a big university. Can you put your head down for five years? Ignore Twitter, ignore the release of new video games. Ignore the release of new consoles, not take trips, double down and invest in resources that support your writing and ideating and framework forming process for your dissertation. Focus on networking with other professors, whether they're at your local university, other places that can support your work or create a space for you to pursue your work once you have your PhD afterwards and not do anything other than eat, sleep and live that PhD process outside of maybe some family events or some family activities, some friends event, you got to remain sane. But some of us are so seduced by being seen. Some of us are so seduced by being known. Some of us are so seduced by social status that it's hard for us to put our heads down in our respective calling, whether it's hip hop, music, writing, accounting, you know, model building in Excel, to, to do that because we, we can't focus. We're too seduced by those things to really double down and put our heads down. But, you know, as yeah, they focus say, is hard. yeah, well, as they say, you can overestimate what you could do in one year, but you can underestimate what you'd accomplish in 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a, that's American life for you though. I feel like. Oh, consumption mentality. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's, it always points us to hamster wheeling. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It always le- leads us to 
feeling like we're on this treadmill. There's never enough time. You never make enough money. You just, you just always feel like you need more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because, you know, what we're talking about to bring it full circle to this wealthy place is being content with what you have is part of being wealthy. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. logical satisfaction and gratification that you have and like you know i know that i don't have everything i want but i'm fine with what i do have knowing that i'm going to continue working to build more mm-hmm. and but, I, but i'm not killing myself you know what i mean I'm, my things are happening for me at a pace that i can handle you know what i mean yes. and i'm still able to work do what i need to do uh, have, you know, build on the relationships I need to build on, make sure family's good, kids, you know, if you have any, um, but I don't need, I don't need more than what I have. Cause I feel like that's what drives people to stay on that hamster wheel, feeling like they always need more, but Absolutely. if you learn how to be content, this is what I was telling you earlier about why I feel like not everything I want is good for me. Even if I, and that was really the caveat, even if I can work for it, I'm not always like, yo, I should have that just because of I course. want it. Absolutely. Um, cause, because that time that you put towards a thing that's not necessarily good for you or beneficial, you can't get that time back. Well, one of the things I think about in regards to what you're saying is just about relationships. I've been with a long-term partner now for 14 years, 14 years. And for I, 14 years, 14 years, 14 years. <laughs> and what I think about what makes this relationship work for now, right? Because every day is a new day to commit and show up and covenant and support that covenant. What makes it work is an understanding of respect and honor. You know, my wife is, uh, you know, my partner rather is very, you know, loyal to me and has been very loyal to me and very supportive of me. And I have my issues, totally have my issues. And we have big issues and we've had small issues. I feel like Dr. Seuss, small issues, issues on the back, issues on top, issues on a dinosaur, issues don't stop, you know, but we, we've had them. But what makes it work is recognizing what does it mean to be satisfied? Yeah, I could easily see a woman with a bigger butt. Yeah, she could probably see a dude with a better body, bigger dick or, you know, taller than me. I'm only 5'10". So, you know, this brother's 6'6", six, six, who was like, oh, gotcha. Right, but six foot, six inches. Yeah, exactly. You know, all of that. Yeah, yeah. This dudes with the six, six, six. You check them yeah. all the boxes. Six figures, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, but what does it mean to honor that commitment to build life together? What does that mean to mm-hmm. honor that commitment to grow together? What does that mean to honor that commitment to respect each other? To look at what we bring to the table and continue to value those contributions above all of our, the lust of our eyes and the sneaky desires of our heart. And I say sneaky because many of us get into relationships and we start moving sneaky. We're, you know, overindulgent on the porn, overindulgent on, you know, talking to women, overindulgent on talking to people who aren't our partners, you know, emotionally cheating by confiding in people rather than bringing it back home to our partner. And I get it. A lot of us have partners who make life very difficult for us and make the relationship very difficult in order to move forward productively and creatively successfully. So I get it. The point I'm making is for some of us, though, we haven't given that relationship the chance to become what it needs to become in order for us to grow and feel secure and help them feel secure and then create security for everyone involved. Because there's more people connected to your relationship just besides just the two of you. 
Mm-hmm. There may be children, there may be aunts, there may be uncles, there may be grandparents, there may be future co-workers. This, you know, you what you do now, as they said in Gladi- Gladiator, echoes out on eternity. But I would say even what you do now echoes out around you in your community. Yeah. And There's I, always a ripple, a ripple effect. Yeah, and I believe that's where we need to be when we talk about being satisfied. How do you learn to be satisfied with what you have as opposed to always reaching for more? To your point in bringing it full circle, even keeping in the sex relationship context, there's always going to be more pussy to get. I say that to guys all the time. There's always going to be more pussy to get. And for some women, there's always going to be a dude who's trying to fuck you. Give you attention. Mm -hmm. Even maybe trick out on you. Yeah, always. There's always going to be someone there. You know, no one is above anyone. No one can say, oh, if I left him, no one would want you. You don't know that. Another man's trash is another man's treasure. Another man's treasure. Another Another woman's treasure. Until they muck that up too. But until mm-hmm. that point, they're going to get tricked on. They're going to yeah, be no. taking Turks or Caicos. Someone's going to take them out for a nice dinner. Someone's going to pull over and say, hey, man, you're really just an incredible guy. You're just an incredible woman. So I, no one is above anyone. Anyone yeah. can, 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 can find someone else who's going to perform for them or want to get into a performance with them, performance of sex in, in, in a relationship or sex and dating at least. Yeah. The most unattractive people got options. Exactly. And, I believe, right, how do you remain satisfied? How do you satiate yourself? And part of that is, I believe, you have to satiate yourself with the future, the goals, what you're having, what you, what you could have, what you're supposed to have, what you're sowing seeds for to have together. That's where the money shot is. That's where the rubber meets the road. And the peace that comes with it. And the peace that comes with it, because you guys yeah. would have done it together. And you guys learn to trust each other. You build better models of communication, better models of trust. I hear people sometimes talk about relationships with people who've been together and say, oh, you know, they've been together so long. That person knows what the other person's thinking even before they say it. I tell people that takes time. That takes yeah. time. That's like 20, 30 years. 30 years in. in. Right. <laughs> and it's so crazy how people be wanting that on the front end. Yeah. Like, yo, you only two, two and a half, three years in. Yeah. And you want to live, you want that love to look like what your grandparents have. It's like, son, your grandparents done been to Normandy. <laughs> they don't storm the, you don't see, they don't storm the beaches. Like saving Pride Ryan, bullets, people getting slayed in front of them, behind them. trenches, on bullets flying everywhere. Someone took off their helmet, got shot. Yeah. Literally saving Pride Ryan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I'm talking about bullets that will disintegrate you. Flying yeah. at them. Friends got vaporized. Family members got vaporized. And they just was holding their hands, climbing up that hill. That sand together till they, they got to that beachhead. And then they was able to move up and start making some progress. But that okay. might have been 18 years in the progress. And this goes back to what Dr. Langley was saying. Can you put your head down? Yeah. We, I know we've put heard your head down? Can you pay the cost? It takes 10 years to get to stride in yeah. marriage. You've heard that before. Of course. I heard one woman said it took her 19 years because her husband finally reached the maturity. They got married around 1920. By the time he was 39, he finally reached the maturity where he didn't want to hang out all night, hang out with his friends, start paying attention to her. 19 years. Man. And she got offered options. She got offered options. Wow. 19 years. 19 years. And again, I'm not advocating that. 19 years. And I'm not advocating that. I'm not advocating people stay in relationships that don't satisfy them or don't meet their needs. What I'm saying is when we talk about our wealthy place, we put it in context of relationships. There is work. 
W-O-R-K, involved. You got to pay the price, man. You have to pay the price. It's just what you're going to do. You guys are going to go through stuff together. You're going to go through stuff together. But if you hang in there, if you make it through, Is that pot of gold on the other end? Or yeah. or at least at the next stop. You know what I mean? You might not see a pot of gold for the next five stop, but you get to this one and there's that pot of gold that's going to hold you down over the next, you know yeah. what I'm saying, whatever period Absolutely. of time. So, Absolutely. Yeah. But that, that you know, can you hold, can you put your head down for five years and just... 10 years, 12 years, whatever yeah, it is. And, and just be dedicated to the goal. Like that's... That's tough, bro. Because, I yeah. mean, you know, if somebody would have told me, you know, like you said, to keep it in a relationship context, if somebody would have told me when I was in the midst of getting separated and transitioning to divorce, like, yo, all you got to do is hold on for the next five years and it'll turn around. That, yo, that might have made me stay. Of course. You know, if you could see some light at the end of the tunnel, but I just, I just didn't. At the time, you know, I just felt like things were so bad and they just felt so ugly and and all of that like I just I couldn't see myself being in that and finding any level of happiness that could keep me there but if somebody were to be like yo you know all you need to do is hold out for the next five years I might have been all right with that yeah and I think that's important for you to say and own and continue to say on the podcast because there's many people in the situation that you were in, in a relationship, and they may not be married, but they may just be in a relationship. And they're on the outs. Yeah. They're, they're working it out. Delayed gratification is a skill. Being good at sex is a skill. Someone said that recently, and I'm sorry I can't attribute it to the person. I read it somewhere. It was in passing. So if you're listening to the podcast, wherever you are, I'm giving you that, 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 that credit, that uh, unnamed credit. Sex is a skill. There was a time where I would have sex and come quickly. Now I'm about my business. That took time <laughs> and skill to build. Same thing with relationships. Relationships and learning how to put your head down in, in a relationship takes skill and it includes a bunch of small skills that you have to package together delayed gratification, uh, uh, vision casting, goal setting. And I'm sure there's others that I can bring into that package. That Those are all micro skills you have to master or, and to use my friend Lewis Mitchell's term, not master, but become intimate with, right? Because there's really never mastery, it's just deeper levels of intimacy. So let's stick with intimacy because we are an intimacy, sex, and relationship podcast. There's deeper levels of intimacy with your delayed gratification. And there's marks of maturity, but you have to reach a certain mark of maturity and delayed gratification, vision casting, and goal setting in order for you to sustain these downward turns in your relationship, they are very difficult to navigate, especially when you have a partner who is not doing their work. And if you want to stay in that relationship, i.e. the woman who went 19 years before her husband turned things around, you're going to have to rely on these skills and any systems or processes you implement internally and externally in order to be successful. And that's where you are going to have to focus your, your skill development. And I think that's just critical to say. And I say that because, you know, even in you being honest and vulnerable, and thank you for being such, I want people to feel encouraged 
that if you walk into the gym with a goal of bench pressing 400 pounds, and there are cats who bench press 400 pounds, and this is your first time in the gym, and you just say, screw it, I'm going for my goal, and you go to bench press 400 pounds, they're going to be calling the ambulance to come get you. Do it two, three, or four, or five years in, you could do it. There was an accountant in Australia who just beat the push-up record, 53 reps per minute. Uh, that was, uh, I forgot how many reps, 3,000-something plus reps. He said he took two or three years to train, and he did it because he wanted to show his son that nothing is impossible, which is true. Nothing is impossible, but it still took two or three years to train. Same thing goes with our relationships. Same thing goes with our sex life. You're not going to go from the two-pump chump, as some people say, and I don't want to use the word chump because no guy's a chump, but you're not going to go from you know being the two-pump king or, or the, <laughs> the two-pump slide into doing you know being the salsero in the bedroom. Right. You got to learn how to step properly. You got to learn how to move with the music. You got to learn how to listen, be selfless. There's a lot you have to master or become more intimate with in order to reach these marks of maturity to go from being the two-step king to being the salsero in the bedroom. Right. Getting the turns in. Getting the turns in. Count. Leading. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Trying out new, different different steps. And as we know with salsa, which is just a beautiful dance form, dance art, there's different types of salsa. How they do it in mm -hmm. Colombia is different than how they do it in Panama, how they do it in Puerto Rico, right. Cuba. It's just a beautiful art form. But it's the same thing with your sex life. It's a beautiful art yeah. form, but you have to learn how to do it. There's some people who are born with some natural inclinations and proclivities, just like they are with sports. But don't confuse good instincts with being good. It takes skill, yeah. practice, critical oversight. You have a coach who's showing you and telling you what to do. That's your partner. Development, yeah. Just Development to go from having good instincts to being good. And if you have good instincts, it helps and enhances and colors your practice and makes it that much more beautiful to behold or watch or to perform because instincts definitely do. Once you have good skills, fill in some gaps or teaches you and allows you to become a little bit more creative or innovative. But a lot of us confuse good, you know, good instincts with being good. It still takes practice. It still takes skill, it still takes work. It still takes putting your head down. And on that note, absolutely on that note, thank you guys for listening. This has been talking up, just an opportunity to talk about our wealthy place. And this was just great for us to do because like Jay and I have said in a previous podcast, we're endeavoring for all of you to hear more of our natural conversation cadence. And Jay, I think this is something that's more along those lines. It was definitely natural. <laughs> Uh, guys, check us out on Instagram. Well, more so, check us out on TikTok and YouTube at Love God Love Sex Pod. If you're listening on Google, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, of course, I, like I mentioned, at Love God Love Sex Pod, go ahead and smash that subscriber button. Smash that subscriber subscriber button for YouTube as well, and follow TikTok. Also available email, connect at lovegodlovesexpodcast.net. Always open to show ideas and suggestions. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Peace.